Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. It's been a little while because it's been a while for Novak Djokovic, but he is in a draw once again in Cincinnati. He will return to North America for the first time in over a year. Right now, Canada is underway. In fact, Tommy Paul and Carlos Alcaraz are are currently contesting their uh, quarterfinal match as we record, just to timestamp this. So let's uh, let's begin with Canada. Obviously, Novak Djokovic's decision to uh, to not play, to take to take the extra rest, or to use it as kind of the, a longer training block. Uh, Amy, did you were you surprised by this decision, and were you a fan of it? I wasn't surprised. Uh, he's done this path before. Yes, I'm a fan of it. I feel concerned for some of the guys right now, actually, who and and gals who are making deep runs in Canada and they've got tough, challenging draws in Cincinnati. And it's kind of like you got to be so careful not to peak too soon before the grind and the heat of the U.S. Open. And this is proven to be an exceptionally hot and humid summer in North America. Although it's it's okay in Canada right now. But just take someone like Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, who is having a bang-up tournament in Toronto. And now he comes into Cincinnati and he's got a very tough draw. And it's like, you know, is this guy going to be prepared for the U.S. Open? So I don't like these two tournaments to be so close to each other and... I don't like Masters 1000s to be super close to each other when that happens. And um, I think Novak's smart to play it this way. At his age, he knows his body. He's been th- through it before. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I agree with that about Novak. I mean, look, he knows exactly what he's doing. Two or three matches, maybe more, maybe win a tournament, maybe not win a tournament. He understands it because he's played so many high-stakes matches. For the other players, there's, there's the two Masters, but there's also... Washington, D.C., and some of the European clay, and even Newport. So it's this very compressed period. Once When they moved Wimbledon a week more after the French, after Roland Garros, it had implications for the summer also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that post-Roland Garros period, longer now, but then that, again, that puts that that end there. And, and again, players playing D.C. and Canada, and then Cincinnati, that's a lot of humidity. I imagine after also such a such a physical summer because Roland Garros and Wimbledon are in such close proximity. The the calculation probably goes a little bit like, okay, it's time to recover and rest for this long. And then I have this long to train. And is that amount of time rest plus train? Does that fit in with, with Cincinnati or sorry with Canada or is, does Canada come too soon to actually kind of, have enough time to to do that in full and of course Djokovic has the luxury of making this kind of decision which other players who don't have the Masters 1000 exemptions 
or just kind of need to play every week because their goals and their mindsets when it comes to how deep they're going to go every week are not the same as Novak's. They don't have that luxury. But I think Djokovic can, you know, with the U.S. Open being the primary goal, he can kind of look at that and, and make a determination of what makes sense for his schedule. Absolutely. And that's for that schism is so vivid, maybe more than ever between the elite elite who in multiple slams and the other people in the meantime, from a spectator standpoint, I don't know about you guys, but watching Canada, both men and women. Wow. It's a bonanza. It's just great. It's like they're different cities, but it's dual gender events at their best. I mean, great matches, both sides every day, players playing well. And I think they're a little of the mindset, look, I'm just going to hustle what I can and get ranking points. And maybe I can recover a little bit after Cincinnati, depending on when you lose. And we'll talk yeah, about that later. I, I feel kind of bad for Cincinnati right now for a few reasons. I mean, it's kind of like going gangbusters in Canada. And I looked at the draw and I'm like, well, thank goodness Novak's in this ATP draw because it's really the same, you know, players. The seedings are very similar. Um, what's different? Well, Novak's here. So that's good. That throws things really into a different um dynamic uh but also i feel kind of bad for cincinnati because th there is some thought that it might move to charlotte so um enjoy it enjoy the tournament while we have it in cincinnati yeah but i feel bad for canada i feel worse for canada because that's the tournament that we've seen top players and it's not just novak this year skip i believe and i didn't fact check this but it was somebody in my comments said uh last time the big three all played canada was 2011 which is remarkable and i'm sure in in most cases it wasn't just it wasn't uh players decisions to skip it i'm sure it was injuries uh for the most part but you know in terms of peaking for the u.s open that's going to be the one that goes goes down and i mean i agree that it's been a really entertaining canada masters but one thing that has not been the case is the top players going deep I mean, it's been carnage, carnage, carnage with the seeds. And I mean, we're looking at one of the semifinals. It's Demonor, Alejandro Davidovich, Fikina, which, you know, us, we will enjoy. We like that. I'm not sure <laughs> the tournament director is all that happy about well, that. Well, yeah, that's, well, the tournament director, yeah, but tournament, uh, until one of those players does something well and they can say, look at this guy, I got to our semi. I get it in the moment. Yeah, that's what, but that's why you don't play it. That's why they're not called exhibitions. And I think when you look at an event like Canada in the way it's kind of like, Ah, the emergence of life after the big three and the nation building that's going to go on among all these other contenders, you know, Dimonor and Medvedev and Tommy Paul and and even Alcarez, who's great, but he's he's a new number one. So it's kind of like it's the glimpse into the future when the big three were playing. We knew they were more likely to pass up Canada than Cincinnati. Cincinnati was right. not going to get it. So it's a question of how, how you like how you like your drama. Do you like, you know, established ones who are great? And there have been some very nice, you know, Roger Federer's done very well in Cincinnati. And it's kind of like, I'm trying to think, did he even win Canada? I guess I'm, I'm probably sure he probably did somewhere long. It's like, yeah, I'm not even aware of his Canada thing. But the Cincinnati has long had like a significant pre-US Open spot. The funny thing about this also is we can't, and we've done this on this show all the time. We've studied what's what's Rafa's ideal, like Roland Garros buildup. What does he normally do? And how much does so-and-so play before this tournament? We, we, we like to look at the history, obviously. The Novak history 
pre-US Open at this point, it doesn't really tell us anything. It's been all over the place. Uh, let's kind of go through it here. Last year, can't enter North America whatsoever. Okay, 2021, it's the Olympic year. He doesn't play anything before the US Open. And even that wasn't enough rest and recovery for Novak, given how the US Open would end up going. The year before 2020, there is no Canada. Novak wins Cincinnati in New York. Uh, 2019 is, uh, is another Canada skipper. You know, so that's the last time we kind of saw Djokovic wins Wimbledon, doesn't play Canada, goes to, to Cincinnati. It, it actually didn't work out that well for him. Uh, that's the fourth round loss to Stan at the U.S. Open. Uh, but I guess you kind of look at it, Joel, and Canada is really no longer a part of Novak's routine. Yeah, I mean, because and he knows Cincinnati needs to be because that's close enough. Yeah, he can't, he can't, and it would be it would be foolhardy to just to just play Canada. So he's got to figure out a one and the wear and tear in the body, and the accumulation through the year. Again, the homogenization of the surfaces dictates a lot scheduling decisions a little bit differently because a player like Novak can see, I can get points in any in any aisle of the supermarket. It's all right. I can go into the produce. I can go into the cereal. I got the dry goods. It's all good. And it's different than the days of people like the uh, pe people like Pete Sampras saying, you know, that clay, not going to get much grass, mm -hmm. North American hard courts, all that stuff. So it's a different, different world we're in. Okay, let's go to the draw. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. And I think it ties into something that Amy was saying. Uh, a lot of guys in Novak's section are doing great in Canada. Amazing. Are you worried for them? Because I think I might be. Uh, and I, I actually, this was my main takeaway here. So Novak gets the winner of Echeverry and Davidovich Fakina in the second round. Then you have Alex Dimonor and Gail Monfils or Cam Norrie or JJ Wolf in the next round. Uh, Dimonor, of course, uh, also a semifinalist, Gail Monfils is going to play in the quarters later tonight. Uh, I won't go past there. So it's like immediately for Novak, it's players who who you see and it's, oh, wow, they're playing great right now. And I've seen the reaction on Twitter and it's been, oh, no, Novak got a bad draw. Like these guys are in form. I couldn't disagree more. It, you want players who are going deep right now they are unlikely to be dangerous next week. That's to me how this goes. Novak Djokovic will never bad draw for the rest of his career because yeah. of you know it's like he's he's not it's, it's not going to it isn't a bad draw. It might be challenging opponents, but yeah, people saying that. I mean, anyway, Amy, you were saying. Um, or he gets to practice against the players that are in form which is what he wants, right? It's kind of like, yeah, um, I want to warm myself up against the best competition. Um, 
I think that if you're a player like Davidovich Fakina, and I do think that he's likely to get past Echeverry because I looked up Echeverry's hard court record and it's like four and 10 or something. Um, so I, I do think ADF will come through and probably play Novak. And uh, yeah, if you're, if you're ADF, you're already thinking about the U S open. I mean, you could say, Oh no, they take it one match at a time. Yeah. But he's only human. Um, so that's, you know, now he's got to go out and play Novak Djokovic in the second round and that may be all he gets. So, um, for them, it's bad. Um, for Novak who relishes playing against the top competition, I think it's really good. But for ADF, if indeed you think someone like ADF is looking at the US Open, I think the chance to play Novak and it's going to, it could be a big, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night. Lots of crowds, lots of energy. ADF is a real energy guy. It's a no lose. If he mm-hmm. loses, if he loses five and two or something like that, he got a chance to kind of okay, great week in Canada. On to Cincy, a little less than productive necessarily. Got to play Novak. Now I can rest for the open. If he beats him, he thinks I'm riding the wave. I knocked off the a king. And That's so a fair that, point. Sure. So right. now for Novak, for Novak, that'll be interesting because I think. Let's see. Let's ADF is a tricky. That's an interesting one. You're back and you play this guy with a lot of energy. I mean, he's like he to me is like a, a version of Alcarez. Obviously not as good, but something like that. And he's trying to he's trying to calm down, and that's why he's playing better. It's just okay. Deep breaths, Alejandro. Calm. Yeah, Meditate. Right. Lots of things he brings. Lots of energy, and you know there's going to be a point. I mean, no matter what happens in that match, there will be a point in the first three or four games where ADF is going to set that crowd on fire. It's going to be fantastic. And Novak's going to have to like, and that's going to be fun. And Novak says, all right, I'm back in it. You know, I'm not I'm not playing my way back in. I've got, you know, it's not playing. I, I'm not even going to name an opponent, but an opponent is a little bit more prosaic. I think he could lose. And I, I agree that he should beat Echeverry on hardcore. He's better than Echeverry on, on hardcore. But like, let's say Davidovich Fakina makes the final. Let's say he beats Demonor, uh hypothetically yeah. and, and loses in the final. It, flight, new conditions, off that emotional high, draining. Like last year, the final was Karenia Busto wins his first Masters 1000 final against Hubert Hurkacz. And both Hercotch and Karenia Busto lost first round in Cincinnati because it's hard. And that's just, that's the point I'm making is I, I just think you're not, and, and who knows what's going to happen, but I, I, I think it's really hard to go from Canada to Cincinnati. And that's why if I were, I don't think Novak will be thinking this way, but the way I'm looking at it is you have all these guys who are going really, really deep in Canada. They're very unlikely to be at their best in Cincy. Well, that's Amy's point about the back-to-back Masters 1000s. It's almost like you're sounding like uh, as if Cincinnati maybe this year is like the Miami to the Indian Wells of Canada this year. Yeah. That's yeah. going on. Maybe even harder. Retirement of Federer. Hmm? Maybe even saying? harder. Maybe harder. Yes. Closer, more compressed, worse weather. Not the 96 draw where at least if you fly to Miami, if you get to the finals of Indian Wells, you go to Miami, get a few days. You get yeah. a buy if you're a top a 32 exactly. player, which ADF would be, but he won't be seated here. No, he won't get a buy. He's right in it. He's right yeah. in it. Right. And it's and also the weather 
the weather in August in Canada and Cincinnati is a lot different than Indian Wells and even Miami in March, April, for sure. I disagree with you guys. I, I think because of the time zones <laughs> and the, the, the um, <laughs> I know, I know you agree with me now. I'm disagreeing with you. <laughs> I'm so the ultimate con contrarian. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're. No, the conditions, I think, I, nothing's harder than Indian Wells in Miami. Well, actually, Madrid, Rome, the same type of thing where it's that dry, arid, um, and then you, you do all these time zones, and then it's just like you're playing at sea level in the most insane humidity. And the even though they're both hard courts, they're different hard courts. Oh, well, different hard when courts. When somebody yeah. wins that, like like Federer did, um, Sviantec did, I, I the Sunshine Double, I'm just beyond impressed. So we got to come up with some of the doubles, ranking the doubles. You know, for once upon a time, there's the Roland Garros Wimbledon, even though there's a gap. Then we got the yeah. Sunshine Double. So what do we call the Canada Cincy Double? We call that the 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 muggy muggy August double. What do you call that one? I think it's the Summer Slam. Okay. Uh, I think oh, it's the Summer Jill. Slam. And you could no. do better than that. No, well, I mean you didn't name it, but I didn't name that. But I think that's what it it is uh, sometimes referred to. And I know Rafa in 2013 won it, did it. I'm not sure what other examples there are. There aren't but, many. But Rafa, Rafa went Canada, Cincinnati, U.S. Open. So he did all three, 2013. Then he, then he, lit, he lit the whole world up. That's, that, was, that was a great, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's just interesting to think of these doubles like Madrid, Rome. And this is, this is where the sport's going because a lot of these dual genders and pack them in. And, and I'd be interested to see as the, and, and, how, and where the other events. In the meantime, you know, D.C. had a significant women's upgrade this year. So that's, and again, that creates a lot of, a lot of weeks of tennis. We've talked about Nova. By the way, Yannick Sinner is Djokovic's top seed. He is also still in Toronto. So I, I should mention that as well uh, in, in his quarter. We've talked a lot about his opponents. How do we think Novak is going to play, Joel? What do we expect off of this? No, I remember we were so thinking before he came to the clay, he's going to be just fine. Remember we all talked about it? No, not me. Not me. That, not you. <laughs> too. Not you. Amy and I. That's right. And so I think, but I guess I'm still, I still think hardcore, I think he's going to be just fine because he, again, has so much respect for his precision and discipline and how I'm sure he calibrated the rest days from the work days from the workout days and, and arriving and, and practice and the balls. I think he's going to be fine. And again, it's really, it's not the whole clay court season. It's one tournament before the U S open. So it's just kind of, we'll get our, we'll get our, index we'll get our data after five sets right two and a half matches and we'll see okay here you are novak and, and even if he loses even if he's upset in cincinnati it's you know the, the hard courts very comfortable I, it'll be i think i'm more intrigued to see how the whole u.s open plays for him given that it's been a while for him since he it's been five years since he won it so he and he and Carlos are on opposite ends of the Cincinnati draw, so they could end up playing in a final again. That could be really interesting going into the U.S. Open. Um, I'll be interested to see how Novak feels from a, a personal or a human standpoint after the Wimbledon loss. Um, of course, the way he reacted on that day was absolute class, stand up guy everything the whole nine yards um 
you know, if it were me, I would be thinking about age somewhat. It would it would occur to me. Um, and the passage of time and the fact that Federer has retired and Nadal is close to retirement, um, that, that would be something in the back of my mind. So how he reacts to those very human feelings will be interesting to watch. Yeah, and that, that I think I think you're right. He was very classy at uh, Wimbledon and Wimbledon is so kind of velvety. And now he's in North America, hasn't been in North America in a couple of years and how that goes for him too and on to the to the u.s open and uh yeah where he hasn't played since he lost that final in 2021 i think it's going to be great uh this ain't no monte carlo in my opinion uh it's you know there's not a lot of time before the u.s open it's not windy and slow so i don't think it's so much about fitness like it is with with Monte Carlo where I think Novak has just kind of lacked last couple of years and I just think it's going to be easier to play good tennis in Cincinnati oh, yeah. where no it's not going to be windy and it's quicker courts and it, it's a it's a hard court I just think it's a lot easier for him and I think he knows the whole locker room is kind of watching for exactly what you said Amy like oh how's he gonna how's he gonna look after actually losing a Wimbledon final which we haven't seen in so long and I just think it's, you know, it's kind of statement time. It's time to send a message. I think he's going to be completely locked in and wanting really badly to win Cincinnati to, to just send the, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I think he really does want to send that kind of message before the U.S. Open. Agreed. Agreed. I think so, too. Be, that'd be great to see him play Alcaraz in the final. And does he avenge the Wimbledon? Does Alcaraz beat him again? Either way. It's kind of a, a plot points on the way to New York, where, as we recall, Alcaraz is the defending champ. Yeah, I mean, that dynamic between Novak and, and Carlitos is hopefully going to define uh, the next couple of years. I mean, how do you think, how do you think he's going to react uh, emotionally or has reacted emotionally uh, to that, Amy? Because my sense was that just because, you know, it's only one match and it's a really close match that he he very nearly won and had, you know, obviously chances to go up two sets to love and all that. I don't think it's discouraging at all. Uh, I think it's kind of exciting. I think it should excite him, uh, The just the idea of just getting getting that loss back. Yeah. I think it, I think it helps that he really likes this surface and feels comfortable on it. And also that Alcaraz has been showing a little bit of vulnerability uh, in this Canada tournament. Um, as we're watching, he dropped a set to Tommy Paul. He dropped a set to Hercotch. So I think Novak will smell blood there and, and uh, say, okay, let's get this on. But really, I don't know. And that's why I follow sports and that's why I, I write about sports and cover sports because I just don't know what's going to happen next. So we'll see what, what, how Novak responds. Well, yeah. Sports, I always say, is one of the few things in life where surprise isn't bad for you. In most parts of life, surprises are not good or, whoa, why'd that happen? But in sports, it's like, oh, that's okay. And remember, Novak, he did beat him in Roland Garros. So he's like, okay, we split it two majors this year. And you played arguably the match of your life to beat me 6-4 in the fifth in the Wimbledon final that I've already won seven times. Thank you very much. So it's okay. And and, and Alcaraz is a, is a likable, youthful 
adversary, you know, because he's so humble and joyous. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, look at this kid. He's even clapping for my shots. You know, so there's something very it's it doesn't have doesn't have some of the general generational animus of let's say Connors McEnroe. It's like, what are you doing? You're trying to take my place? It's like, oh wow, you you beat me. Wow, well done, young man. I mean, Alcaraz is set such a, a generosity to him. Yeah, I, I I think it could, and I've said this, I don't know if I said this when we recorded right after the final, but I actually think this could end up extending his career as if he, let's say, won the calendar slam. And uh, I actually had Steve Flink on, on my show, and he agreed with this. I think if Novak won the calendar slam, it would have been such an incredible peak, a summit, uh, like literally just uh, everything he's worked for his entire life up into one moment, bang, boom. It's almost like, okay, I, I did it. Like, I, I don't know how much there is to play for after that. Nothing left. Yeah. Oh, no, see, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to disagree. I get that as a summit. Good. Keep winning. I'm great. I don't think it would have stopped him. This, though, I agree, having lost the Wimbledon final, yet more motivation. But I don't think, I don't think the idea of Novak winning the calendar slam um, makes, him, makes him wave. You know, athletes don't, athletes don't want to retire from their jobs the way a lot of other people do. I agree with that. I think it depends on the person, good. though. But, Joel, you've seen a lot of players reach incredible heights or their, their lifetime goals, and that's affected them moving forward in, you know, res- from a result standpoint in a negative way, right? Like motivation stuff. Well, you mean to win one slam? I think the multi-slam people, it's usually, they're usually physicaled out. I, I know it's, it's usually physicaled out because – most players get physicaled out before they have a chance to do body kind of lets you the body is the stock market lets you know where you fit on the marketplace but other ones you know that's that's a fascinating topic about exits and success and how you when when you wish to do what but i think novak i think he is look we've seen all year he is raring to go he is finely tuned and he's probably making certain concessions like skipping canada and all that but when he comes to play there's no sign of him being you know the the wily old man trying to make his way through the match. He is fully in, in some ways, maybe more than, uh, than Federer was because Federer, as he aged was, would make, you know, because his back would flare and certain injuries would happen. You'd see him kind of managing. I always remember the time he beat uh, tennis Sandgren after fighting off seven match points at the Australian open. And he just, he kind of managed his way through that match. So smart. Well, I'm glad I tested the theory on on you guys. It's unfortunately something we'll just never know the answer to unless he ends up winning uh, the the Grand Slam next year. one year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll have to wait till next year. Uh, looking forward to Cincinnati. That'll do it for this episode of Three. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. We appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Three.